Lake Tahoe, the jewel of the Sierra. This deep blue alpine lake nestled in the beautiful Sierra Nevada mountains is a land of magic, wonder, and fascination. Welcome to Legends of Lake Tahoe, the podcast for those of us who always seek to know more. Hello, and welcome to Episode 2. I'm Bo Johnson, and we are happy to have you back in the mountains with us. I'm Joe Johnson, and we hope you enjoy the Legends of Lake Tahoe as much as we do. There is truly no place like it anywhere in the world. So without further ado, we present Legends of Lake Tahoe, Episode 2, Chairman of the Lake. You only go around once, but if you play your cards right, once is enough. Frank Sinatra. Known by numerous names, Old Blue Eyes, The Voice, Chairman of the Board, Francis Albert Sinatra played those cards better than anyone before or since. He lived life his way from 1915 to 1998, and those 82 years were filled with life, love, and excitement. The Calneva Lodge and Casino, nicknamed the Lady of the Lake, has a storied history all its own. Constructed in 1926, the property has witnessed celebrity scandals and intrigue. The rich, the famous, and the powerful have all walked the casino floor, won and lost fortunes on the gaming tables, and luxuriated in the glamorous hotel rooms. The entire casino burned down in 1937 and was rebuilt in 30 days thanks to the efforts of 500 men working on the project. And I also read that upon completing the project, they had constructed what was then the largest casino in the country. Jeez, not only the largest in the country, but did it in 30 days. Yeah, how about that? I guess they wanted to get that money back rolling in there. (laughs) (laughs) So Frank Sinatra and the Cal Neva both have fascinating life stories. In episode two, we focus on the brief yet glittering time period when their two paths intertwined. We'll be focusing on the years 1960 through 1963, when Frank Sinatra and friends bought and operated the Calneva Lodge and Casino, making it the premier hotel destination for Tahoe visitors throughout the country and throughout the world. 1960 found Frank Sinatra at the top of his game and right in the middle of a colossal career revival. The so-called rebirth of his career began in 1953 when he played Private Angelo Maggio in From Here to Eternity, a role for which he won an Academy Award. He earned another Oscar nomination three years later in 1956 when he played a drug addict in The Man with the Golden Arm. Sinatra was flying high musically, too. Throughout the mid to late 50s, he released a string of hit albums, including In the Wee Small Hours, Come Fly With Me, and Nice and Easy. Then in 1960, he became unhappy with Capitol Records and left to form his own label in hopes of giving artists like himself more control over their music and future rights. Reprise Records would evolve into an industry powerhouse. Sidebar, a lot of people then and today stumble over the name of Sinatra's record label. Almost everyone involved at the label's founding called it Reprise Records, including Sinatra himself. Reprise is a musical term, meaning to play and play again. 
There is one anecdote, unconfirmable of course, that Frank enjoyed calling it reprise records, as in reprisal against Capitol Records, his uh, former label and their stable of newfangled rock and roll artists. There is debate as to whether he preferred this pronunciation, but also whether he ever even used it. So we think he probably didn't. But you never know. He may have. (laughs) So Frank's making movies, producing music, and basically reveling in his status as an international celebrity. And this is where he swings into episode two. In the beginning of 1960, the Calneva Lodge, located in Crystal Bay on the north shore of Lake Tahoe, was owned by Bones Renner and Bert Wingy Grober. Wingy. (laughs) These two notorious individuals, whose colorful stories will not be discussed here, found themselves facing financial difficulties. Bones with the IRS and Wingy with Monster Sam, Mobster Sam Giancana. He's a monster. (laughs) Their solution? Put the Cal Neva up for sale. We should mention uh, the Kennedy family's relationship with the Calneva here. Wingy Grober was good friends with Joseph Kennedy, scion of the Klan, and the Kennedys were resort guests throughout the 1950s and 60s. Frank Sinatra was good friends with Peter Lawford, who in turn was brother-in-law to the future president, having married his sister, Patricia Kennedy. And to put a cherry on top of this connection as it pertains to Sinatra, the official announcement of the property's purchase occurred on the same day John F. Kennedy won the Democratic nomination for president. July 13, 1960. Hmm, coincidence? I think not. (laughs) We'll never know. Never know. The proposed owners were listed as Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Hank Sanicola, and Skinny D'Amato. We all know Frank and Dino, of course, and Hank Sanicola was Sinatra's original manager and longtime producer. Paul Skinny D'Amato was Sinatra's longtime friend and business partner and a club owner also known as Mr. Atlantic City because he owned a giant club down there, of course. The purchase of the Calneva Resort and Casino is a somewhat murky transaction wrapped in mystery and conjecture. While Bones Renner owed the IRS huge in back taxes, Wingy's debt to Sam Giancana both drove the sale and determined the purchase price. Sam Giancana promised to wipe Wingy's debt clean if he sold the property to Sam's friends for a reasonable price. (laughs) Ah, sweet Wingy, sweet Wingy. (laughs) And reasonable turned out to be a massive understatement. Sam's friends bought the Calneva for a rock-bottom price of $250,000. Pennies on the dollar, in other words. Sam Momo Giancana, who was the boss of the Chicago outfit at the time, was not the only mobster involved in this story. Frank Sinatra was accused of being, by some, of being a frontman in this endeavor for Anthony Fat Tony Salerno, who at the time controlled the largest numbers racket in New York and would later go on to become the Genovese, uh, the boss of the Genovese crime family. So some some pretty high, pretty top-level mob connections here. Heavy hitters is what I call them. (laughs) (laughs) Mob connections would become and remain an enduring aspect of the Frank Sinatra legacy, and never more so than during his years at the Calneva. While friends and associates advised against allowing Sam Giancana as a guest on the property, we don't think Frank or any of his partners ever really had a choice when it came to Momo. And reports at the time suggest he was there quite often. 
We would even go as far to say that Sam Giancana was a major factor behind the tunnels located under the property that Sinatra decided to renovate and approve upon. More on that in segment two. Or you might say a Momo of that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are in the summer of 1960 with Frank, Dean, and friends looking to roll the dice as Lake Tahoe casino owners with mob connections lurking just under the surface and a fabulous swinging decade right at their doorstep. As the dice fly across the dark green felt of the crap table, will they come up seven or eleven? Will luck be a casino tonight? We've got to cash in a few chips of our own, but we'll be right back with segment two. Segment 2, Alpine Paradise Found. So after purchasing the Cal Neva, Sinatra and friends immediately set out about renovating the joint. Frank Sinatra's vision for the resort was nothing shy of an Alpine Paradise getaway destination for the rich and famous across the country and around the world. Yes, Sinatra took off his cufflinks, rolled up his sleeves, and got involved in the construction of his celebrity showroom, an intimate concert venue built to his exacting specifications regarding sound and audio dynamics. Designed to attract and showcase the brightest stars of the day, the concerts were an instant success, packing in full houses almost immediately. I wonder if uh, they were full houses just because it was Sinatra's showroom, or was he actually there most of the concerts? Right. I think I think a little bit of both. I think yeah. he did definitely gave a lot of concerts himself. And, of course, him and his friends also might be there. So That's they're like, oh, some of the Rat Pack's here. Let's go see a concert. Boy, it must have been the place to be. Ah, those were the times. <laughs> uh, so Sinatra had a helipad constructed in hopes of flying celebrity guests to his resorts from Reno, Laughlin, Las Vegas, and even from points further afield. This enticement worked as expected with film stars, politicians, and others taking advantage of coming and going with lots of fun in between, out of view from the public eye. The best telepad story involved John and Robert Kennedy. Rumor has it that whenever the brothers were visiting Sacramento, Frank would send his private helicopter to whisk them away to Lake Tahoe. And, and I wonder if there was ever a time when a Kennedy or both Kennedy brothers got into that helicopter only to find Frank Sinatra maybe in the backseat? <laughs> That's pretty funny, but pretty sure uh, Frank was waiting in the Tahoe for them because, uh, you know, Frank, everybody comes to him. He doesn't right. go to them. Right. Even then. Even then. Even a Kennedy. Even with those Kennedys on the rise. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Finally, Sinatra was instrumental in building and renovating tunnels located under the property. The original tunnels had been used for bootlegging operations during Prohibition. Frank renovated these and expanded the tunnel system. He wanted a way for him his friends, and important guests to be able to move around largely undetected. 
and the tunnels were constructed with both solidity and comfort in mind. They were lined with brick and had full-length wall-to-wall carpeting. Uh, A thick shag, anyone? (laughs) There were tunnel entrances located in Frank's office, the heliport, and inside a closet of one of the bungalows. We wonder if there might have been more. I don't know if there were. There probably were, but what I do like about the tunnels is that he put uh, brick on the lining and uh, carpeting on them, wall-to-wall carpeting. Uh, I, I, when I imagine tunnels, I just think of a, like a mine shaft tunnel. So right. Frank was like, "Nope, we're gonna make them as pretty as possible." Yeah, or yeah, bending over at the waist, kind of ducking down. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. The, the guests could feel secure with the bricks on the side, but still in comfort under their feet. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and true to form, Frank used the tunnels to ensure the safety and privacy of celebrities, famous entertainers, politicians, special friends who all wanted to enjoy the Lake Tahoe Casino experience out of the glare of the public gaze. Ah, I love it. Uh, Frank Sinatra succeeded in transforming the Cal Neva Resort and Casino into a true alpine lake paradise. For the Lady of the Lake, the next three years marked a summit of sorts. The brightest stars traveled to the glittering Lake Tahoe getaway. The rich and famous, as well as numerous celebrities, vacationed, performed, entertained, and sometimes just got away from it all at the Cal Neva, Frank's place at the lake. Celebrities who performed or vacationed include the following. The Kennedy family. Judy Garland. Marilyn Monroe. Peter Lawford. Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, the great Roy Rogers. And Jolton Joe DiMaggio. A.K.A. the Yankee Clipper. Lots of people up there, and that's I'm sure that's just a small yeah, list. That's a, yeah, that's a, what's known as a short list in the biz. <laughs> <laughs> we, we now turn to the less corroborated, uh, yet perhaps more interesting chapters of this Tahoe legend. The major players were Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe, Sam Momo Giancana, the Nevada Gaming Control Board, and a little organization called the FBI. There is another story, not supported by direct evidence, of course, that Marilyn and John F. Kennedy met at the Cal Neva in the midst of an affair. While the rumors of the affair itself seem to ring somewhat true, the Tahoe meeting and the alleged tryst in one of the tunnels does not. That's interesting. Well, Marilyn Monroe was indeed a guest of Sinatra's at the Cal Neva on several occasions, and she likely utilized the tunnels alongside her Rat Pack pals. But... No one can conclusively place Marilyn at the Cal Neva on the single date in February 1960 that Kennedy spent the night for his one and only overnight stay. She was filming a movie in Los Angeles at the time called The Misfits. Nonetheless, this rumor has persisted through the years in various versions, sometimes including Sam Giancana as a major player. There are rumors tying Marilyn to both JFK and Giancana, and some even have her dating the two men simultaneously. There's evidence of Marilyn Monroe dating both Jack and Momo, but these relationships do not seem to overlap time-wise. Of course, we can't know for sure. Right, and we should also mention that Marilyn did take one last trip to the Calneva a few days before she died in early August of 1962. She visited Tahoe on the weekend of the t- July 28th and 29th, and this has been confirmed. What she did on this visit, the people she spent time with, and her reasons for all of this remain shrouded in mystery and obscured by rumor. And because these rumors are kind of all over the board, we are choosing not to list and discuss them here with the exception of one. Marilyn reportedly had a near overdose on this trip, which she survived.
A final point about this trip worth mentioning is that what other people were visiting during Lake Tahoe that weekend. There was Frank Sinatra, Sam Giancana, Joe DiMaggio, Peter Lawford, and Dean Martin. A more insidious and unconfirmed rumor also surfaced at the time, and this rumor is attributed to George Masters, Marilyn's hairdresser. Masters, but seemingly no one else, placed the actress at the Calneva on the day before she died, claiming she returned again to Tahoe a week after the trip we just discussed. The hairdresser maintains that on this trip, the actress spent time with Sinatra and Sam Giancana, who supposedly counseled her against revealing her affairs with the Kennedy brothers. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Thick, I, thick plot. Yeah, <laughs> all kinds of people involved. Hairdressers. <laughs> Uh, again, according to Masters, Marilyn was then flown back to her Brentwood home on Sinatra's private jet the morning of the day she died. The rumors connecting the Kennedys, Sam Giancana, and Sinatra to her death and speculation regarding the cause of the death began to spread, changed numerous times over the years, as rumors tend to do, and remain with us today. None of this has ever been conform confirmed. And throughout these years, among celebrity scandal and the hint of mobster sm cigar smoke, business was booming. Frank had pulled out all the slots, and his renovation had resulted in beautifully furnished rooms and luxurious amenities. The glint and glitz of the rich and famous, the no notoriety of the celebrities, the sweet stench of politicians. Yes, the new Calneva Resort and Casino had it all. Glittering with the sparkle of a new diamond, Another jewel in the Sierra for all to behold. But soon, it would be all over. Segment three coming up. We'll be right back with the conclusion. Segment three, tumbling dice, melting ice, and FBI makes nice. The last act of the chairman of the lake begins and ends with Sam Giancana. Sam Momo Giancana was a mobster who ran the Chicago outfit from 1957 to 1996. He is definitely a person of note as conspiracy theorists and even more mainstream sources believe he was involved in both the 1960 election of John F. Kennedy and his assassination in 1963. Giancana and JFK were also rumored to have dated the same women, notably Marilyn Monroe and Judith Exner. We won't go further down this rabbit hole here, but interesting stuff to think about for sure, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> what we will discuss is Giancana's problematic relationship with Nevada casinos, which directly impacts this story. What has come to be known as Las Vegas's Black Book, but is officially titled The List of Excluded Persons, was created in 1960 and listed 11 people who were not nor would ever be allowed inside a gaming establishment, a.k.a. casinos. Sam Giancana was on this list and forever in the Black Book. Giancana had been skimming the profits from his casinos, including the Sands, the Riviera, and the Desert Inn, for years, perhaps decades, throughout the 1940s and beyond. 
According to FBI files, this operation netted over $2 billion per year, about $25 billion in today's money. So That's a stack of money. Yeah, some serious dough. <laughs> the FBI had been monitoring the Sinatra Mafia connection for years, and when agents finally got their chance, they, should, they made sure they did not miss it. Federal agents were able to prove that Gene Connor had visited the resort for a multiple-day stint earlier that year in July. Sam was supposedly visiting his girlfriend, Phyllis McGuire, of the famous singing act, the McGuire Sisters, who were performing at the celebrity showroom. The reason behind Giancana getting caught appears to be his hot temper. <laughs> Giancana got into a heated argument with Phyllis's manager that ended in an actual fist fight. This fist fight caught the attention of undercover federal agents nearby who walked over and soon realized their outsized discovery. This discovery resulted in the Nevada Gaming Control Board threatening to revoke Sinatra's gaming license and simultaneously attempting him to persuade, I'm sorry, attempting to persuade him to sell the property. Wow. Yeah. All over the fist fight. Yeah. Uh, the threat of revoking his gaming license resulted in two ineffectual attempts to stave off the inevitable. First, Frank himself called the board chairman, Ed Olson, and apparently used some colorful and very distasteful language even daring Olson to have him subpoenaed, all to no avail. Second, a Sinatra associate reportedly attempted to bribe the board, also unsuccessfully, of course. Then, Sam Giancana was discovered in the Calneva by FBI agents in August of 1963, marking the true beginning of the finale. Giancana's presence at the resort resulted in the Nevada Gaming Control Board revoking Sinatra's gaming license. By removing this primary revenue source, the board effectively ended Sinatra's chairmanship of the lake, forcing him to sell the Calneva. The property sales occurred on October 7, 1963. The end flashed across the screen of this legendary Lake Tahoe era all too soon. Way too soon. Imagine yeah. what would still be there. Oh, I can only imagine, especially, well, what comes next. Correct. In the years following Sinatra's reign at Lake Tahoe, the Cal Neva Resort and Casino changed ownership numerous times and experienced a gradual yet precipitous decline. The property closed in 2013, right in the middle of a massive reconstruction effort, and has yet to reopen. There has been talk throughout the years of restoring the Lady of the Lake to her former glory and thereby returning the Cal Neva to a true resort destination. Larry Ellison has owned the property since 2018, and he has supported this vision, too, but so far only in theory. Only in theory. Whew. They say you can't go back, and in this case, they may be right. We may never again see musicians, movie stars, politicians, and other members of the Glitterati lounging poolside, clicking cocktails and trying their luck at the Cal Neva Resort and Casino. But there was once a time when that all came true for a little while at least, while the chairman held court at the Lady of the Lake. That's all for today's show, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Legends of Lake Tahoe. We'd like to thank our information sources, including CBS Los Angeles, Katie Down and SF Gate, Annie Flansrake and the Sierra Sun, Snowbrains with Moonshine Inc., Matthew Renda and Tahoe Quarterly, Steve Fisher and the Nevada Casino Ashtray Project. Music produced by Jeff Harvey and Julius H. Sound effects courtesy of pixabay.com. 
And a very special thanks to Squeak Steel and her ragtime piano. Questions, comments, criticisms, or insults, please email us anytime at legendsoflaketahoe at gmail.com. Insults and criticism will not be responded to. Probably. <laughs>